So let's open up in prayer, and then we'll talk a little bit about what's going on here, and we're trying to come in. Uh, we kind of joined Jesus mid-conversation, but it's a very interesting conversation, uh, and there's a lot of opinions on it. And so we're not going to try and go too far on the opinion scale. We'll try and keep it close to the word. Um, but let's open up a prayer. So, God, we ask uh, that you bless our time this morning. Uh, Jesus, right now, you are in heaven in your throne. Uh, but you spoke these words, and you knew they'd be written down. And uh, they're the way that you want them. And so, Holy Spirit, uh, since you are here with us, we ask that you would open our eyes, that you open up our minds to what your word says. May it just be more than words on a paper, because this book is not like any other book. We believe it's the inspired word of God. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would unveil it to us, and you show us how to live it and carry it out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we're going through the Bible, right? Going through the Bible, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And uh, a lot of value for that. Um, the biggest thing is that I think uh, Billy Graham said it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, so we go through the whole thing. So you talk about stuff that's uncomfortable and difficult. Um, and then sometimes, you know, you talk about things that's like, wow, this is just really poignant. It really fits for right now, for today. So as we're going through the book of Matthew, we're almost at the end here. We're almost at the end. Not much more to go. Um, Jesus. So we didn't meet last week. We did the potluck last week, which, by the way, was great. We have some good cooks in here. There was some good food. Um, We broke our church fast. Um, I I think I'm going to try and harass some people this week. This is off topic for a minute. I'm going to try and harass some people. Not harass, but um, ask some people this week about how the fast went and if you wouldn't mind sharing just a couple of minutes maybe on a Sunday just to kind of fill people in of how your church fast went. Um, <laughs> so now if people see I'm calling, they're not going to answer. But um, I'm, just warning, I'm just warning you now. Um, so our fast broker, we didn't have church last week, um, so now we pick up. So we really didn't get talk about the Word for a couple of weeks. And so last time we did, Matthew's, or, uh, Jesus was talking in Matthew 24 about end times. How is this thing going to end? What's going to happen? What's it going to look like? Who's going to be around? What are the signs? How can we maybe interpret things going on around us? And then we closed up uh, by saying, you know what? That is certainly going to happen in the future. There are signs of it around us. At the same time, we still got to live for Him today, right now. Right? We can't be completely lost in a conversation of how the future is going to shape when lives and life is happening right now. So we talked um, about that last time. And uh, one verse, Matthew 24, verse 42, right? So we're in 25, so you just got to go backwards a little bit. It kind of summarizes how we left off last time. Jesus says, Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know On what day your Lord will come. He says, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at the time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect Him. Now 
was kind of the idea and the theme. I was like, man, you know what? Let's be prepared. Let's be ready. Um, Because who knows when this thing is going to happen. And the fear of the unknown, of when he's coming, kind of is supposed to, is intended to keep us honest. Because God knows our hearts. He made us. He knew that if we knew, if we could tell you, or if I could tell you right now, hey, um, you know what? Uh, We're going to say August 21st, uh, 5.13 p.m., 2049, Jesus is coming. That's the time. Jesus knows, hey, there's going to be some people that are going to procrastinate until then, um, and that maybe will only take him seriously until that time arises. Right, which is just all for the wrong reasons. It's all for the wrong reasons. Um, so the fact that it's unknown helps to keep us honest. Hopefully helps keep us to worship Him for the right reasons. Helps to keep the gospel at the center of our lives for the right reasons. Not because we're afraid of when He might come, but because He's died for my sins. I want to live in response to that right now, today. Not waiting for later. Tell you a little story from this week at school. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, uh, during the week I teach uh, high school math um, at a Catholic school, and um, that's an interesting um, experience for me uh, because um, one, I did uh, I did not um, grow up Catholic, um, and then two, I stick out like a sore thumb there. And uh, especially when we were just planting the church and getting things started, and I was kind of giving the principal a heads up. Because um, sooner or later, you know, the kids are going to find out. They're going to find out. I mean, this is the age of Facebook, Twitter, you know, Internet. You know, things are going to come up. I remember many faculty being like, what? Another church? How many churches are in Naugatuck? You know what I mean? And, and so um, the nice thing is that that's just the church conversation. You know, then there's a family conversation with, uh, you know, how we raise our kids and how Julie and I, you know, do our marriage and, you know, how we handle our finances and um, how I'll teach in my classroom. And basically all that I do, you know, is trying to revolve around uh, Christ being glorified, just like you try and do in your job at your work and in your family and in your place. So it's interesting the conversations that get to be had. And so I think this is my... um, I think it's my seventh year there now. And um, just, I would say, within the past two years, really now am I getting to the point, to the place, where I can get into some really good, deep conversations with people. Um, it just takes a long time. Wish we could do sometimes, like, the Billy Graham or televangelist-type thing and pack out a stadium and have a response happen right away, and then the lives just change in a moment. Sometimes that happens. Also, a lot of times is we got to do the hard work, which is just building into people and into their lives. Just getting to know them. Where did they grow up? What's kind of their story? How are they raising their family? What's their background like? Like, it takes a lot to get there. When you're working, like, during the day, you're working. You don't have time to have all those conversations in one sitting. That takes hours. So it's like we have to strategically pick our moments and times and be open to when the opportunities might arise. So now, you know, say five, six, seven years into it, I start to get into these conversations. Um, And so I guess maybe, I I don't know why that comes up, but I guess I bring that up um, just to encourage you, like, hey, sometimes it takes time to pour into people's lives. And just because you're not seeing maybe conversations and things happening right now, they will. 
Because the other part of the equation is behind the scenes, while we are praying and a holy God is working, things are being done. Because while we're waiting, He's working. That's an amen, right? Right? While we're waiting, He's working. It's true. It's not always easy to see. So, this past week, um, the way they start off class, and I think I told somebody in church here this week this story, so I'm sorry if you're hearing it again. Um, but I think it fits. So, this past week, um, we're in class. We're supposed to start off our classes with a prayer. There's like a prayer book um, that they write up and um, that the teacher could read off or that the students could read. And uh, I typically don't, if I'm going to pray before the class, I, I won't usually use the prayer book. And then that weirds them out. Um, they call that uh, freestyle prayer or homemade prayers. Um, because, you know, that's weird because everything's usually always scripted. It's always scripted for them. Um, so, uh, I usually have the kids read it off. And, and it's kind of interesting. In the beginning, they're kind of like hesitant. But now, they always want to, like, read the prayers in class, you know, and do stuff. Which, you got to start somewhere, right? you got to start somewhere. Every once in a while, I pick out um, just something that sounds odd from the prayer. Not, not too much. Because at the same time, my job is to teach them math. And, and um, I... I it's too easy to come off as a, for lack of a better term, Bible banger. And just bash them with stuff. You know, because they're just kids, too. Um, and so there should be, like, some um, gentleness, right? Some kindness, some compassion when doing it. Because whatever you're saying, you're also representing it with how you communicate it. That's an owie sometimes, huh? So much easier just to say it and then not communicate what I'm saying in love and compassion. So uh, the kid comes up, they does the prayer. And the last phrase of the prayer was, and, let me see if I can get it right, and God help us, um, and God help us to live in such a way where the gospel transforms my life each and every day. It's a good line. And I was like, wow, that, that's pretty solid. And a lot of times there's, there's some pretty solid stuff in there. But core doctrines is like, you know, where I have the issue with. Um, so, uh, the student finishes the prayer, and I say, wow, I, I forget you know, who it was. Michael, it's like, so the gospel has been transforming your life each and every day, huh? And he just looks at me, he's like, yep, definitely, Mr. Murphy, definitely. And so I just pick on um, a, another random student. Say, so John, um, the gospel has been transforming your life each and every day, huh? No, not really, Mr. Murphy. You know, so you get the honest one there. You know, then you ask another one. Yep, been transformed. Really? So then, of course, it begs the question of, what is the gospel? So I said, guys, I said, uh, like, what is the gospel? What is it? And uh, one hand goes up, goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I said, no, no, no. So those are the gospels, right? The books, right? Those are the gospels. But like, what is the gospel, right? Like, it's a message. Um, it's a particular thing. And um, I could raise his hand up. He goes, the word of the Lord. I said, what does that mean? I don't know, Mr. Murray. So then, again, uh, somebody else raised a hand. Um, he goes, um, the life of Jesus. And I'm like, uh, well, he did a lot of things. Like, which parts are we talking about? The whole thing. Okay, okay, we're kind of getting there, you know. 
And so I said, that, guys, this is kind of an important thing. I said, because um, at our church, this past week, because a good chunk of them know that uh, I'm a pastor and that we had a church, and they don't quite get it, but they ask a lot of things, especially when they need help on religion homework. Um, so uh, they, um, I said, this past week at church, there's this passage in Matthew, you know, it says, um, and the gospel will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. I said, guys, whatever this gospel is we're trying to figure out, whenever this gets everywhere to everybody, that's the end. Like, that's it. It's over. So this thing is pretty important. So I said, guys, I said, just out of curiosity, like, how many of you have grown up, like, in and around Catholic education? A bunch of hands go up. It's probably about two-thirds of the room. I said, guys, doesn't it just concern you just a little bit? Uh, they could be in Catholic education, go to masses. Some of you guys are in CCD right now, and two-thirds of you are, are kind of unsure what the gospel is. It's kind of a big thing. And uh, they're just, like, looking at me. Like... And then one of them yells out, You don't even know what it is, Mr. Murphy! <laughs> you got to love those ones, right? So, uh, you know, if you're sensitive and you got a chip on your shoulder, you know, you fire back right away at the kid. But they're kids, you know what I mean? They don't know. So um, I said, listen, I said, you know, you guys have heard of Easter, right? Oh, they know Easter. So say you heard Good Friday. Yeah, so Good Friday, like that ties into, um, you know, this thing that we're talking about here, the gospel. I said, the gospel is the good news. And so Good Friday is when Jesus died. And then you see like, I don't know, a few of the minds click and they go, how is that good that he died on a cross? Uh, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting to the tip of the iceberg of the gospel, the good news about Jesus being on the cross and why he was there and that he willingly laid his life down on the cross. And man, I just wanted to preach the whole class period, but can't do that. But some seeds is the things were planted, you know, and it it leads to different conversations, which there's a bunch and I could tell you lots of stories, but... Here's the thing that concerns me and how it ties into what we're talking about is that Jesus' big focus was on preparation. Make sure we're prepared and we're ready for the coming of Jesus Christ and whatever comes along with that. Because the assumption, as we read, like we read last time, we're going to read in a minute, um, is that in Jesus' voice, there's a sense of urgency. Like, man, I'm warning you. Let's respond. Like, people are going to be surprised. They're not going to be quite prepared. In fact, they're going to think that they really are prepared and even maybe surround themselves with other people that agree with them. But then, biblically, they're going to be kind of off. And then Jesus even says, hey, it's like a broad road. Like, most people are going to be on the road thinking, yeah, they're good, but, like, it's not going to work out. So I'm sitting just in one small class... 30 kids, don't even, raised up, Catholic education, not having a clue as to what the gospel and the good news is. So I'm like, man, how many in my neighborhood, how many around me, how many people around, you know? So Matthew 25, Jesus emphasizes again this idea of preparation. So he already talked about it in 24, but he's like, this is important. We need to say this again. We need to go through this again, this idea of preparation. So Matthew 25, he talks about um, this thing of um, this story of ten lamps and ten virgins and weddings and all this. So let's talk about it. 
Matthew 25. It says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins at that time. So at the time when the end comes, tribulation, you know, rapture, the signs, the wars, the earthquakes, this chaos, right? At that time when all these things are going down, everything's happening. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps and did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So Jesus is comparing the end here to a wedding, which is kind of interesting because if there's um, any like kind of Bible students here that have read ahead in the book, in the book of Revelation, there's going to be a big end time wedding feast, a huge end time supper. And so Jesus comparing the end here uh, to a wedding, something they would be familiar with. And uh, in those days, right, you got to understand who you're talking to, right? So the way we do weddings now is totally different, right? We do weddings now, we send out um, we know our save the date, or at least some people save the date cards, and you got your invitations. You know, then like you have your parties. You got to make sure things all set, and you know, make up your two lists of who's going to come, and you know, you have your A list and your B list, and twenty percent you got to expect won't come. So then, you know, there's a whole big thing going on, right? There's a lot of stuff. Back then, a little bit different. They didn't do all of that, and the way they would do it, at least in that day, um, was that it was basically already agreed upon. The groom had already um, approached um, his soon-to-be father-in-law and asked for his, uh, you know, um, uh, soon-to-be bride's uh, hand in marriage. And it was a done deal. But the agreement was that the groom would come and pick up his bride at any time on a particular day. I don't know how many brides would be happy about that. So he could come at any time. It doesn't matter when. He could come at lunchtime. You know, he could come at 5 o'clock. He could come whenever. If he was a real wise guy, coming at 11.59. You know what I mean? At night. So at any time, he could show up. And the idea is that um, the, groom, the uh, bride, you know, with her friends, with her bridesmaids, they're there waiting. And then when the groom comes... If the bridesmaids, they have their um, lamps that have oil in them. Uh, if they have that prepared, that's kind of like their ticket sort of to get into the wedding, to like go along with the groom. And then uh, the groom takes them back to his house for seven days where they hang out, uh, they feast, and they actually um, sleep there too. So they spend their first night there, which doesn't sound all that great. But that's the way that they would have done it. So that's what Jesus is comparing the end times with here. So it says, that time, right, ten virgins who took their lamps went out to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish, five were wise. Why were the five foolish and why were the five wise? Verse 3. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. So the foolish ones were like, hey, you know, he'll show up. I have some oil in my lamp right now. 
that's fine as long as he comes while this thing is burning. If he comes after, well, you know, whatever. They didn't think that far ahead. That's why they're foolish. It says, The wise, verse 4, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And so the wise ones, right, they had an extra amount of oil. So this guy, being a wise guy, he took a long time to come. For whatever reason. Maybe he's getting all dolled up. Who knows? Verse 6. At midnight, right? Here's when he comes. Here's when he shows up. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Verse 7. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. The lamps are going out. Right? So the foolish ones just realized, Hey, we don't have enough oil, right? So we don't have our lamps ready to go. We can't actually go with you. Hey, give me some of yours. And that's, isn't that always what the procrastinators do? I say we because a lot of times I'm procrastinating, right? We go and ask, hey, let me borrow some of that. And hey, let me get some of that. And, and you put the pressure and the heat on the ones that are prepared to begin with. And then the really bad procrastinators, they try and manipulate their way to get it across. Probably nobody knows what I'm talking about, right? Yep. So, verse 9 says, No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us and for you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. So they said, No, we can't hook you up. You've got to go get some. Verse 10. But while they're on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. Uh, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Right, So as they left to go get prepared, because they weren't prepared in the first place, of course, that's when he showed up, took them, and they left. Verse 11 says, Later, the others showed up. Right, So they already went in, the doors are shut. Later, the others come. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Verse 13 says, Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour. So Jesus, right, comparing the end here to a wedding banquet where they should have known ahead of time what they needed. And they should have really thought ahead. And they really never did. They tried to wait till the last second. And by the time they tried to get their act together, it was too late. That's really the point, right? So that's Jesus' second emphasis on, hey, let's be prepared here. There isn't time to waste. A couple interesting things that we can pull out from this passage. One is that we can pull out an observation, actually a very sobering observation, about our relationship with Jesus Christ. We can pull that out of there. How can we pull that out of there? Well, your bonus question, right? Inside here, right? In your bulletin here. What symbol is used to represent the Holy Spirit in the Bible? Throughout the Bible, for whatever reason, God has chosen to use oil to represent His presence and His like uh, consecration or setting things apart for Him been touched with oil. 
and they would anoint oil on the priest. They would anoint oil. This is our altar here, and there we were doing live sacrifices, which we don't do that thing anymore because Jesus already did it, right? We're not a cult. So you would anoint this thing, right, with oil. Uh, you would anoint maybe the utensils that were used with oil. Um, it was a thing that would represent God. And even in the New Testament, oil is talked about, not that much, but it's talked about about four times as far as oil being used to uh, anoint people and consecrate people and set them apart. In the Bible, i got a couple of verses here just to uh, show you what I mean. I'm sorry, it's hard to see here. If we go back one... Uh, yeah, so in Exodus 30, what it says is that part of this anointing one, I'll read it off for you, it's kind of interesting how they made the oil that they used to anoint certain things. Um, it says, Take for yourself uh, quality spices, 500 shekels of myrrh, and then if you skip down, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane. Uh, it also had cinnamon in it and a hint of olive oil. And in verse 25, And you shall make these a holy anointing oil. So the holy anointing oil had like a nice mixture of this nice aroma, had some olive oil in it, but also had some cinnamon in there, had myrrh, which might sound familiar, right, from the Christmas story, right? Remember when they had the gifts, frankincense, right, myrrh, right? Um, and then it also has uh, cinnamon in there and sweet-smelling cane. So it's really like this nice stuff, very nice stuff. And if we go on the next slide here, it talks about, in Psalm 133, this is part of, uh, just happened to come up this week and part of my, you know, morning devotional times. I was like, man, Lord, that's great. You know, it ties right in to what we're talking about. In Psalm 133, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron. Which when Aaron, when he was declared and told the priest of all Israel, they put him in front of the whole nation, a couple million people. And what they did is they put that oil on him. I don't know how much. They gave him like a big bath or if they just like put it on his forehead or just wiped him down or who knows. You know, if it's like the Super Bowl, maybe a Gatorade thing full, like the anointing oil. You know, I don't know. How does that go down? I'm not sure. I'd like to see it. But nonetheless, right, the picture is, right, how pleasant. So when we dwell together in unity and people are just working together um, and just loving on each other, right, it's like the precious oil right upon his head. This scene of just oil throughout the Bible representing God is always there. In our parable, in our parable, right, there are some wise ones that had oil in their lamps and they had oil extra for later. That oil definitely can signify the Holy Spirit who now comes and anoints us now and cleanses us now and leads us now into our walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit anoints us now. And we got to have oil in our own lamp. I can't get oil in my lamp from my wife. I can't get oil in my lamp from my husband. I can't get oil in my lamp from anywhere else. It has to be a decision that I make. And when I've purposely tried to 
get it in there and make sure it's in there and make sure it's flowing. That's what the wise ones do. The foolish ones kind of hang around it, maybe once in a while try and check it out. And if developed over a long enough lifetime, when the time comes and the oil is needed, it's not going to be there. Because it was never there fully, really, in the first place. So this is like a sobering picture and a sobering thought. And the most sobering part is at the very end when the door shuts. I don't know how many weddings you've been to, you know, where the door shuts. Um, it seems kind of unreasonable. It's like, hey, you know, I know so-and-so. I forgot my lamp, you know. It's just, you know, let me in. And, and yeah, maybe that would probably happen. Probably could happen. I mean, who's had that heartless at a wedding? But point being, at the very end, judgment time, Jesus is extremely, the judge is extremely particular about who accepted him and the sacrifice that he paid. And so I think it's very purposeful that God says, that Jesus says at the end here, the door was shut and that was it. It's just it. And I know that's a difficult part for a lot of people because it's like, how could a loving God just shut the door like that? It's a legitimate question. Absolutely legitimate question. And we as Christians, we have to have an answer for that. We have to engage people in that. There was a uh, opportunity I had this uh, past week talking with a coworker friend of mine, another good friend at work, and um, our conversations have gone really well. And we spent—I uh, had intended to, like, you know, make copies, um, you know, get some grading done, uh, put some grades into the computer. That whole period was gone because all of a sudden, you know, Brian wants to talk about eternity and salvation and Jesus and I'm like oh man Lord what timing you know I have all this work to do but it's like nah 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 this is the more important thing right now we can get that other stuff done later and man he was asking the hard questions asking the hard questions about a loving God he's like you know I love my kids so if my kids mess up he said you know I'm going to be forgiving to them I'm going to be loving towards them he said, and if God is who he is and loving how he is, he's like, it must work the same way in heaven, right? Got to have answers for these. We got to be prepared for these. We got to entertain these conversations. I said, yeah, Brian, you're like, that's true. But man, the other thing we got to balance here too is if God sent his one and only son to die, I sent one of my sons, Jaron Judson, to die for everyone. You what, man? I'm drawing a hard line right there. But, like, we got to have these conversations, right? We got to talk about this stuff. So, let's try and recap real here, real quick here, and, and I want to um, try and do something at the end here. And your bulletin. It's a couple fill ins here. It says, Jesus. Jesus is coming for his bride. Jesus is coming for his bride. Just like in our passage, the groom was coming, right, for his bride. She didn't know when. She didn't know what time. But he was coming. And Jesus is coming. 
And uh, I know it's been a couple thousand years since he said it. So it's totally understanding, understandable to maybe have some complacency creep in, um, to maybe not be so hot and raring and ready to go. He said this thing 2,000 years ago. It's kind of a long time. So, fact of the matter is, he's still coming, though, right? He's still coming. That's where faith comes in. That's the faith, and that's where my friend Brian at work, that's, that's where we draw the divide. That's where we draw the divide. He's just like, I don't know if I can just believe that. And I tell him, I said, I'm with you, man. I, you know, at some point, this is a faith step. Like, I just, I can't give you every single reason. Just like I'm sure you've been in conversations, you can't just give every. You're doing the best that you can. At some point, it is totally just a giant leap of faith. And then, but the thing is is as we take that step and leap of faith in Jesus, and we start to live that life out, now we start to have a history with Him of things that have happened and developed that never would have if we never would have taken that step of faith. That's why it's so dangerous and so detrimental to the supposed Christian that has no history with Jesus. That's killer. What do you tell people? Then it's just like a logical argument you have back and forth instead of just a life of heartfelt pain, hardship, difficulty, joy, celebration. Or we can just clearly articulate and explain where Jesus and God has been. And that's the biggest thing with people is the testimony and the witness of what God has done in our lives. That's great. We can debate theology and talk about the Bible and who wrote it and the transcripts and all that stuff. Okay. But is there somewhere a story in your life about this God that I should know about? That's our opportunity. That's our chance. And unfortunately, many times, many of us, we get held back by just goofy fleshly, carnal things that totally disrupt that process. I still don't want to do that. We want to try and surround ourselves with the community of other believers that passionately just love and pursue after God. That try and keep the perspective that God is in the center. Everything revolves around. We try and read books, listen to tapes of people just telling testimony and witnesses of how good God has been. We want to flood our minds with that stuff instead of all the other nonsense going on. So yeah, Jesus is coming for his bride, but can I tell anybody about how he's come for me lately? That's a big difference. It's a big difference. Second thought, second fill in here. The blank will have the needed blank. The wise will have the needed oil. The wise will have the needed oil. Right? First one is Jesus coming for his bride. The wise will have the needed oil. The wise ones are going to take care of their lamps. That's my heart and prayer for each and every person in this room, each and every person in this town. 
Generally, person in the state, as many people as possible. That, man, we are taking care of the oil issue. Number one, first and foremost, salvation. And then we're trying to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. You're trying to keep that thing filled. See, because here's a good question. Here's a good question. Maybe you've thought about it. Maybe you haven't. Good question is, okay, it's good about all this preparation and awareness things that Jesus is talking about. Um, But, if I've already surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I've already given my life to Him, I've already said, God, I want you at the center. How much more prepared do I need to get? If that happened, what else is there to do? So, that's a pretty good question and that's a reasonable question to ask because if the salvation issue is taken care of which salvation here's how salvation happens right here's how we become written in the book of life here's how we become able to get into that wedding celebration not be stuck outside the door right Romans if we go back I think it's a couple slides back here Romans 10.9 this is how it happens. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. If I believe it and I confess it, that's how we're saved. Now, we get to tell God gets to tell how sincere that is by the way we live the rest of our life. Because God willing, if we get a life to live after that prayer and after that decision, hopefully the rest matches. And so we want to make sure the oil is in there. This is like how we get the oil to begin with. We say, God, I believe in what Jesus has done for my life. I want you to live in my heart. I'm going to try and follow you the rest of my life. Now, honestly, God, rest of my life for a long time, I'm going to try and follow you today. And we're going to try again tomorrow. And that's how we walk it out. That's how we walk it out. And then God will start to bring to our minds, to our attention, things that aren't good. Things that a holy God just can't have inside his vessel. And he's like, ah, you got to deal with that. Like, you probably shouldn't be listening to that. Maybe you shouldn't be hanging out with them. You got to be talking to your spouse a different way. You got to handle disciplining your kids in a different way. You got to handle your money in a different way, right? He's going to start to make these things aware to us, and then we keep our oil filling, and we keep that extra oil in there by being obedient to that voice. That's what the wise do. We surrender to Jesus and recognize that He's the only one that can fill that void. And then what we try and do is try and live a lifestyle of obedience. Not perfection of obedience. Or we just repent when we got to repent. I don't know how many times I did this week. Um, who knows? Probably, I don't know. A lot. That's the way this thing looks. God, I'm sorry for being a jerk today. I'm sorry for being impatient with my kids today. I'm sorry for not coming in prayer hard on this thing that I know you put on my heart and I haven't been doing it. I'm sorry that even during this fast, I've been an idiot in these areas. During the fast! That's the way this life looks. 
in that Mighty to Save song, it says, like, we, I bring my fears and failures. Like, that's a line I can really relate to. That's what we're called to do. It's not perfection. To where eventually, hopefully, our desire and what we want to do is we want to live this Galatians 2.20 verse that's up here. Galatians 2.20. I'm going to put that up there. This is the desire. Now, hopefully we can say this. We, we can walk in. This is like a refrigerator verse. This should be the theme verse for the Christian. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's not longer Jared who's living Jared's life on Jared's agenda with Jared's plans. Or you fill in your name. It is Christ who's living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I still got to live this thing out. I'm still going to, you know, do whatever, live my life. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the goal for the Christian. That, that's it right there. And so our hope and our prayer is that we can say that and hopefully a good chunk of our lives match up with that. That's how we keep the oil flowing. Just flowing. And who cares what time it comes? It doesn't matter. Because I realize my life isn't even my own, and I'm just living so He could be glorified through me. Doesn't mean I'm going to get it all right today. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the day. You don't know what's going to happen the rest of the day. We want to keep the oil flowing. And the last fill in there, judgment will be final. Judgment will be final. That's the difficult truth. That's the difficult truth. And I think probably that's where the church has maybe struggled in a lot of ways to show and explain clearly how God's love and how His judgment is final. I think there's probably a big disconnect there through a lot of people. And maybe you have had a difficult time explaining it. Uh, Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But I think that's where the difficulty lies. I think it's worth a lot of our time to try and figure that stuff out. Um, So we're going to close with two things. Two things. If we're going to be talking about all of this oil and the lamps and what keeps it burning, I think it's very important for us um, to close with um, some prayer time. Some prayer time. And uh, you can take part in it if you'd like. You don't have to. Um, we have a little celebration stuff for TJ and Jenna downstairs. Um, so you definitely want to stay and take part in some of that. Um, and just, you know, say goodbye and say hi to them. Uh, but you head, uh, head down there whenever after we close. If you want to stay longer and get some prayer, that's good. Because in James 5, here's what it says in James 5. James 5 says, Is anyone among you sick? It says, Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. Right, so we're going to do that before people go. Solely open for you, if you want to. Okay? Um, So let's do it like this. Why don't we all stand? Why don't we all stand? That just came on. So here's what I want to make sure, too. I just want to make sure um, 
if we need to, let's make sure that uh, the lamps are even just filled to begin with. Let's just make sure there. Let's, that's our starting point. You know, um, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. So let's start there. And then we'll uh, leave some time open uh, for some prayer um, and anointing with oil. I don't have like that awesome smelling stuff. I, I didn't make uh, the cinnamon with the cane and, you know, and all that stuff. Um, but I do have um, some oil and we'll like, um, we'll have people come up, put some oil on, whatever you're sick from. We'll have a couple people pray with you. And then whatever God does, he does. Okay? So why don't we all bow our heads, close our eyes. And um, this time is open right now for those people who maybe have not ever confessed uh, that Jesus is their Lord and they've believed it in their heart. Um, So if you've never done that, if you've never done that and you want to do it right now, uh, we're not going to make you do anything crazy. Uh, You're just going to follow along in a prayer with me. That's it. Um, And you can just pray it to yourself. Um, So if you'd like to do that, if you would like to for the first time, really mean it um, and not play any games about it and be as prepared as possible with your lamp. Um, if you'd like to, uh, please look up. Just look up to me. That's it. Everybody's heads uh, are bowed. Eyes are up. Praise God. Thank you for that. Um, everybody else is down. If you'd like to, just look up to me. That's it. And I don't want to belabor this and pressure anybody because it's between you and God, right? This is you and your lamp stuff. So if you'd like to, just look up. Okay. So right now we're going to uh, pray. So the people that looked up, we're going to pray. And all you got to do is just repeat this. Um, After me, just repeat it to yourself. Say, God, I believe that you've died for my sins. And God, I want to live the rest of my life for you. Many times I'm going to have more questions than answers. But I do believe that you are who you say you are. Give me the strength Give me the grace that I need to faithfully follow you. And when things get difficult, help me to be humble and ask you for the strength and for the courage. In Jesus' name, amen. And so um, we praise God uh, for the people that have prayed that. And it says um, in heaven that people, the angels have rejoiced. Right? And so we rejoice um, with people who have prayed that. Because that's a big time decision. It's a big time decision. And um, for those that have made that decision, just come um, talk to me later um, after church just so we can get you some stuff and um, just help plug you in. Because many, many times after people have prayed that prayer, made that decision, like, you know what? I'm drawing a line in the sand right here. I'm going to try and do it this way. It's like the enemy, devil, Satan, had just put a big target on your back and just came hard after you. Um, so we want to be there in complete and total support. Um, so let's do this. Let's close together in prayer. After that, you can go downstairs if you'd like, uh, munch, snack on some treats. If you want to stay up here um, and get some prayer, be anointed with oil and get some prayer over whatever it is. I, I don't know what Whatever it is, um, we will do that. It'll be uh, me and a couple other people praying with you, and we'll stay up here.
Okay, so let's close in prayer and you can head downstairs if you'd like or stay up here for prayer. So God, we, um, we just thank you and we praise you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in and around our lives. God, I thank you that we even have access to your word, um, to the truths that are in there. Um, I don't exactly know how you're going to handle so many, Lord, that don't even have all of the truth together, Lord. But I know that you're fair, and I do know that you're loving. And Father, I pray, Lord, for the difficult conversations that will come up. We pray for the difficult conversations that will come up, Lord. And I pray that people in this room uh, would have enough courage and would have enough uh, boldness to be able to seek your face for answers, to be able to ask other for answers, to be able to ask other people for prayers when they get stuck, maybe sharing, Lord. And I pray, God, that each person in this room um, could truly uh, try and live out Galatians 2.20, Lord, where it's not them living their lives, but it's Christ who lives in them. And it's just about God being glorified in their lives. doesn't mean there might not be questions. doesn't mean uh, there might not be ups and downs. But I ask God that you would just give uh, a certain measure of grace, of strength, and of faith in you. God, we thank you for this morning. Pray that you continue to do a work um, in each of our lives, Lord, in each of our families, in our friendships, Lord, in the people um, that we love and care for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, yeah, if you'd like to stay up for prayer, um, please do. Um, we're going to have... Um, uh, he's heading down. Roger, if you wouldn't mind coming up, we'll do some uh, prayer time. Clothes from the distant I made